Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Glad I'm here. It's been like two months since I've spoken at Church in the Valley, which is where I am, the pastor. So it's really good. It's really good to be here. Uh, last week, we began a series. Thad launched the series. And it's based on a collection of books that the Bible, in the Bible, that it's called the Minor Prophets. And so they're often ignored because they're difficult to understand at times, but they are packed with relevant lessons for today. They're, they're called minor, not because they're less important, but because they're shorter and they have a narrow scope. The people they were writing to was more narrow than the major prophets. But these are folks that God used in his mission in the world uh, to accomplish their purpose. And so we're pulling out the lessons as it relates to our lives and our mission. If, if you're a Christ follower, we're all a part of this, what God's doing in the history of the world as he's trying to, to connect with people who have rebelled against him help them turn around, decide to follow him, and then grow up in him. So we're all a part of this if we're following Christ. Last week, we began with the book of Jonah. And the major lesson from Jonah is that God loves all people, whether you, you, you like them or whether you love them or not. God, God loves everybody. He, he doesn't play favorites. And he wants you and I to reach out and show love to the people around us, even the ones we despise. And so Jonas showed us how it's really best if you decide to do what God's telling you to do. He paid, he paid a price for that, for not doing it. And then God, through some circumstances, convinced him he just decided to turn around and do what God was telling him to do. And that's really the best, the best life possible is to do God's will. So we realize through Jonah that God doesn't play favorites. And his heart and mission, God's heart and mission, come through Jonah's story. Habakkuk, interesting name, isn't it? That's, that's the prophet that we're going to be hearing from today. And he speaks to our need to wait. We, we live in a microwave world. I, I like popcorn, and I don't even like to take the time to cook it on the stove. What does that take? You know, it's seven, eight minutes maybe. I Often, I prefer to go to the pantry and, you know, get the popcorn out of there, throw it in the microwave for two or, two or three minutes, and boom, I've got popcorn, and I'm watching TV on the couch enjoying myself. But if I have to go to the store and pick the popcorn up, that might take a little less than 30 minutes. I run to the store. If I don't have any microwave popcorn, run to the store, come back. A little, little less than 30 minutes. In, in reality, what it took to get that popcorn on the store shelf was a lot longer process. <laughs> Someone had to prepare the soil. Someone had to plant the seed, then cultivate the soil. They had to wait for the corn to grow and then turn it in to kernels to be popped. That's a whole process. Patience and timing are the key in what it took to get the popcorn on the shelf. 
It, it takes time. If, if you miss the time to plant the corn, you, you have to wait a whole year. And this is a lot closer to what life is like. This is a picture, the planting, the waiting, the timing, the cultivating. All of that is, is more of the reality. It is the reality of our lives because we, we live our life. We make choices every day. We're planting seeds. We're sowing seeds. And we wait for the crop to come in. And God guarantees that the crop is going to come in. But we wait, we plant, and we wait. So this is, this is really how our lives flow, more like farming than microwaves. And this is, Habakkuk was speaking to farmers. It was an agricultural society. He's speaking to farmers and shepherds. And so God, God has him use some images that we're going to see toward the end of the message that relate to farming and shepherding. And this is really how life is. Our reaching our goals in life and the good goals and <clears throat> accomplishing the mission that God has given us in life is like farming, not microwaving. <laughs> it's much more like farming. Parenting is like farming. You, you, you sow seeds of truth. You train every day. There's timing involved in the training. And the character of the child grows over the you know, 18 years that they're under your roof. Uh, nowadays, that's what it is. And there you go. There's a result of... Their choices, for sure, and your effort to, to build things into them. Building wealth is like farming. Most of us, we don't have a major stockpile of cash to invest. But if we start putting a little away at a time over, over the years with God's blessing, we, we can save and we can build wealth significantly. When you, when you start dating... It's 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 like farming as well because it, it's a long it takes a long time sometimes to figure out if this is going to work. Uh, you know, you're you're trying to decide: do we connect? Do we fit? Are we going to? Is this going to work out? Um, you have to get to know the w- person well enough to decide whether or not you're going to commit a lifetime to them, and it might not work out. That that is risky. That is scary. But dating is a lot more like farming. Building a career is an effort that takes decades. And the choices you make every day are sowing seeds. Our mission that God has given us, the, the, and our part of the mission is a little piece of the ministry, where we're trying to help people. It's the same way. We come alongside people. We try to help them get to know Christ. We try to help them decide to follow Him. We work through problems with them. And it takes time. The fact is, crucial outcomes develop over a long period of time. Everything that matters in our lives, things that really matter, they take a long time to develop. Any effort that we are giving ourselves to that's worthwhile 
it, it develops over a long period of time. So a key theme in Habakkuk is what to do when you're waiting for things to develop. When you're trying to look at what's going on in the world and your world and you're waiting to see how things are going to turn out. What do you do? Well, while we're waiting for things to develop, questions can attack us. That's why I, 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 I like to say they, they attack us. Things like, why am I not further ahead than I am? Why am I stuck here? Why can't I see results? Why doesn't God just change me? Or change them and make it better. What's, what's going on here? What's happening? And as we wrestle with questions like this, we can see that Habakkuk did the same thing. And God uses him to speak into our lives and show us God works in his time and on his terms. This is what you learn. When Habakkuk wrote this book, Injustice and Evil were running rampant in his home country of Judah. Now, Judah was chosen as a nation for God to use them to, so that he would use them to show the rest of the world what he was like, his wisdom, so that people would be drawn to follow him through their, their example. So God God chose them for a purpose, and it was to show the world what he was like. If they would obey him, if they would follow him, if they would walk by faith, the rest of the world would see, wow, God, God's ways are right. And they would want to follow along. This is God's heart. This is what he wanted. But Judah had rebelled. There was all kinds of wickedness going on in the country at the time they weren't fulfilling God's purpose for their lives and Habakkuk's mission was to warn his country about the impending judgment from God that he was going to bring through the Chaldeans aka the Babylonians Chaldean we're going to read the word Chaldeans it's really the Babylonians. There's, there's two names for that group, that nation. And so Habakkuk, he was warning God's people about the coming judgment. He has a unique approach in the way that he gives his warning. Now, he, he doesn't stand on a street corner with a bullhorn with a sign and say, repent, turn around. What he does is he gets in a dialogue with God. And we're able, through the dialogue, to learn some very important things about God and the way he works in the world and what we can expect from him as he's guiding history. God gives insight into what was about to occur in Judah by answering Habakkuk's questions. And this was a time when you couldn't know what the president was thinking through Twitter. Or, or any, anything else. I mean, you know, this is God had to reveal this to Habakkuk, who, uh, you know, revealed it to uh, the nation. But, but just like today, there, there was a pervasive atmosphere of uncertainty and concern. We're, we're concerned about North Korea. What's going to happen there? 
These, this, these are snapshots. I, I read the news on my phone. These are snapshots of three articles that were in the news this morning. You know, we're, we're concerned. I, I did a memorial service last Saturday on the San Francisco Bay, and as I was talking about, talking to one of the ladies there, she said, well, I'm, I'm just really, I'm really rattled by what's, gonna, what's going on with North Korea. We, we don't know what's going to happen. This, this is the kind of uncertainty that Habakkuk was dealing with. There are racial tensions. The latest one is Charlottesville. There is terrorism, the latest in Barcelona. We, we are rattled by these events at times if we allow them to rattle us. If we don't know what to do with the concern and the confusion, we get rattled over these things. And so when we're concerned... And confused, Habakkuk shows us what to do. Turn to God for perspective. Turn to him. He, he will show you. One thing we can learn from Habakkuk for sure is that God's okay with questions. He, he will respond negatively to questioning. And at times we, we can do that. But he is okay with questions. He wants us to take our questions to him. He will provide answers. His plan for mankind, though, is being worked out on a gigantic scale. We, we can't see what God's doing in things that are going on in our lives. How, how, where is he? What's he doing? What's happening? What, what is he accomplishing through this? And we, we aren't going to be able to grasp everything that God's doing in the world. We aren't, we aren't going to know everything that's going on so that we can chart a course. But he reveals enough so that we can trust him. This is, this is what God does. Our struggle is that we tend to look at the world. We look at things from our eyes, from our vantage point, from the way we see things. We evaluate Life based on our schedule. And we think God should do something about what's going on right now. We, we look at the world and we would time our judgment differently. And we would meet it out differently than we see God doing. But what you can know through Habakkuk and through the scripture, is that God is working his plan for his people, for the people he made, over decades, centuries, and millennia. And we're a part of the history that God is writing of the world. He doesn't do so over days, months, and years. It's a gigantic scale that God is working out his plan on. And our starting point is crucial. The Bible uncovers God's perspective. And we do better if we see what's going on in the world from his perspective. If you start with yourself and look what's going on in the world from your angle, there's little understanding. You're not going to be able to decipher anything. There's no wisdom. However, if you make God your starting place, the confusion dissipates. So what this means is we really need to dig into the scriptures, find out what God's doing, what he's promised to do and what he hasn't promised to do, what we can expect him to do in the situations that are going on on a large scale in the world 
and in our lives as well. We, we need to know God. We need to understand him. And because if you make him your starting place and you learn to look at the world and what's going on here down from his vantage point, the confusion dissipates. It goes away. Keep this in mind as we begin to work through Habakkuk's questions. First question is found in chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear, or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Can you identify with Habakkuk? <laughs> have, you, have you ever looked at what's going on in the world and wondered why God doesn't do something about it? This is where we are today. This could be, Habakkuk could be writing to us about what's happening. And the Lord answers his question immediately in verses 5 and 6. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. So these are despicable people. And God is raising them up. And he's going to use them to bring judgment on Judah. This This is interesting because in this statement, you see the scale of God's work. You see how he works over decades, centuries, and millennia because the Assyrians were the world power at the time this was written. Assyria was in power. And so here God is, you don't microwave a world power. <laughs> that, that takes time to develop, decades, centuries. And so what, what God tells Habakkuk is, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. I'm raising up the Babylonians. And they are going to become the world power. And sure enough, they, they did. They became the world power. They sieged. Judah, and they took them to captivity for 70 years. So Judah was under siege for 70 years. You you can check the history. This is what happens. And so what you find here is the scale of God's work and how our lives, he, he has this ability to take what we're dealing with today and our lives, and and he's put us in a place to help accomplish his goal. And so this brings meaning to what we're dealing with. World powers don't develop overnight. And God tells Habakkuk that he's, he's raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. This, this is a chilling re- revelation for Habakkuk. This is concerning. And I'm sure it's not what he wanted to hear. Sure and te- terrible judgment is coming on Judah. Now, <clears throat> Habakkuk responds to God's answer in faith. So in verse 12, you see his response. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God? 
my Holy One. We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them, Chaldeans, the Babylonians, for reproof. So the prophet humbles himself before God and acknowledges God's right to rule. That's a good move right there. That's, that's the, only, the only wise, sane decision to make in that moment. Problems grow in us when we get prideful and we demand for God to do what makes sense to us in the world. That, that's where problems, that, that's how to really tangle yourself up in, in difficulties. Any judgment that God executes is right and just. And you find out why in Scripture. It'll tell you why. The heart of Habakkuk's second question is found in verse 13. It follows the statement in 12 where he humbled himself before God. And he says, You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and are silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. So here's the heart of his complaint. God, you have the right to reprove. You have the right to, to correct Judah. But why do you have to use the Babylonians to do it? They're so evil. And you've decided to use them to swallow up the more righteous. Now, here's the problem with this statement, which his question was basically, why do you have to use the evil and despicable Babylonians to to be the rod of judgment on us? It's an honest question. They were very wicked people. But here's the problem. He's He's going sideways and comparing the righteousness of Judah with the righteousness of Babylon. There is no understanding. There is no wisdom in that. When you and I, when we compare ourselves with one another, and we, there's a verse in the New Testament that says, when, when you compare yourselves with one another and measure themselves by one another, there's no understanding. There is no wisdom there. And so what we need to do is stay vertical in our lives. You may be going through some very difficult times right now. You may be having some trouble in your family. You might be having some trouble at work. You might be having trouble in your ministry trying to accomplish the mission that God has given you to do. But if you compare yourself in the midst of your trouble sideways with other people, wow, really looks like they're just cruising along and I'm struggling here. Why do they always get to cruise along and I always have to struggle? Why is that? There is no wisdom there. That's exactly what Habakkuk's doing. He's, he's, he's going sideways. Hey, the Babylonians, come on. They're, they're horrible people compared to us. But God is, is working things out with Judah. And Habakkuk needs to be concerned about them and what God's trying to do in their life. So we need to stay vertical in our perspective, this is between us and God, what he's doing in our life. And we need to learn to trust what he's doing and cooperate with him in order for him to be able to accomplish his will and purpose in our lives. So God's answer 
to this second question is in uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It's not time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It's going to happen. But we're in the waiting period. It's developing. Things are developing. It seems slow. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. he's He's referring to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Yes, the Babylonians are proud. They're puffed up. It is not upright within them. But the righteous shall live by faith. Now, here's what he's saying. When you don't understand what's going on in your life, when you're confused, when you're concerned, don't go sideways. Go vertical. Put your faith and trust in the living God who's working things out for his purpose. What you can expect from God is that he is going to work the things out in your life that are going on for his purpose, not yours. So if you decide to follow Christ, what you find yourself doing over and over and over again, God, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus set the pace in that. Father, this isn't what I want. I don't really like what's going on here. But please, use this to accomplish your purpose in me. The righteous live by faith. People who are right before God, they choose faith as they deal with the circumstances and and the trouble in their life. So God is telling Habakkuk and all of his people throughout time to be patient. He will bring final justice and he will make everything right in his time at the right time, the perfect time. Here's a major lesson for us. God will bring about justice and fulfill his promise to those who trust him. But it will be on his time schedule. We must patiently wait as God works out his purposes in history and in our lives as well. And we can expect him to work out his purposes. We need to really take care to understand what his promises are what God promises to do, and what he doesn't promise to do. We need to understand his purposes. We get into scripture to do that. God put you and I on this earth in the time frame we live in to fulfill his purpose for our lives. There's a passage in Acts that says, he allotted the times in which each person lives. He allotted the times. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but God said, you're going to live in this century. You're going to be born in this decade. You're going to live in this century. And this is the time frame in which you live. He does that so he can use your life to accomplish his purpose. He put you in the family you're in. He put you in the neighborhood in which you live. He put you at the work you go to every day. Because he's trying to use you. He wants to use you if you'll cooperate with him for his purpose. Not not your own, but for his. And this is where life comes together. When we surrender to God's purpose for us. God's purpose for our life stretches beyond our lifetime. 
We need to live by faith as we wait on God to fulfill his promise through us. And and we may not see it fulfilled in our lifetime. He He wants us to live for not only this generation, not only for, certainly not for ourselves, and not just for this generation, but he wants us to live in a way that we're considering the next generation. This is the scale God works on. He, he, wants, he wants us to make choices today that will set the next generation up to thrive. So this requires faith, the righteous live by faith. It requires humility and selflessness. We have, we have to give ourselves to, to those around us. So as we wait for God to do what God's going to do in fulfilling his purpose for our lives, we want to consider, we want to think about these things. What choice will honor God and set the next generation up to flourish. In, in this moment right here, now we don't generally think this way when we're making choices in the family, when we're deciding how we're going to relate, what we're going to build into our kids, how we're going to relate to the extended family, what we're going to do uh, in, in terms of when, when we go to work, the choices we're going to make at work. And, and as we relate to people every day and we're trying to help them maybe come to know Christ or work through their problems, we're, we're not thinking on this scale, but what choice right here is going to set the next generation up to flourish? That's what God wants to lead you to do. He, he wants to show you how to choose right now what's right before him in faith over and over and over again. And we, we blow it. We're not perfect. But as we walk with God and learn to cooperate with him and take responsibility when we don't, he wants to use our lives for a greater purpose that goes way beyond our own generation. This this is what we find in Habakkuk. This is what God's doing. You may be the first person in your family to trust God. And he wants to work through you to change the direction. Of, of an entire family line. If you, if you let him, he's done that kind of thing. He does that kind of thing. You, you may be in a long line of people who've trusted God, but he wants to use you to impact the direction of the next generation. God is working on a gigantic scale, and he gives us the, the privilege to be a part of what he's doing in the world. So, as we wind up the message, I got lost there. I, I need to check my watch, <laughs> see how much time I had. Um, in, in the third chapter, Habakkuk makes a statement at the very end of the chapter that shows us what to do when we're uncertain again. When we're uncertain, we, we take our questions to God, and then we turn to God for encouragement. It's extremely discouraging when our efforts seem fruitless. And since crucial outcomes take so long to develop, we wonder as we're doing things whether or not our efforts are making a difference at all. This takes me back to remodeling our home. This was a major lesson for me. Uh, 
<clears throat> when we bought it, we needed to redo all kinds of major stuff from the roof down. And uh, here, here's, a, here's an example. This is our living room when we bought the house. And you can see some works going on. And <clears throat> here's one of the problems was I, I didn't know anything. I'm not very handy. I didn't really know how, how to fix this, <laughs> how to make it better. <laughs> and so one challenge in the process for me was that I had little skill and experience in home improvement, but I had guys that I trusted who told me they would help. And, and thank you, God, they did. They helped me. But I look at this picture, and you see the floor. There is no floor. There's just concrete. And I remember working on that floor. And I, I would do some specific task that I was told to do. And in the middle of it, it was easy to get lost. Because I'm doing this task, and I can't see the big picture of how the whole thing's going to come together. I, I, I don't know the next step. I'm just doing the step that I was told to do. And so I'm doing this step and I can't see the picture. And that is that can wear on you <laughs> when you can't see that picture. And that's that's how our lives are. I, I just had to trust the guys who were telling me what to do and stay focused on the work in front of me. And here's what it looks like now. It did come together, thankfully. By the grace of God and the help of the guys and, and, and ladies as well. Um, th- this is how we often feel with our God-given responsibilities. This is how it flows. We see the mess, but we don't see any progress. We're, we're, we're doing something specific and we can't picture it coming together. We can't see where God's taking us. And we're depending on someone else to help us. In, in the big picture, God. We're depending on God. We don't know how he's going to bring the picture together. We don't, we don't know how it could even come together. But in that moment, we have to stay faithful on the specific thing we're dealing with right there and then. Right in this situation, I must remain faithful. I need to choose to do what's right before God. And wait for him to fulfill his purpose through that thing. Easy to get lost in the day-to-day, in the mess. And not wait on God to come through. Habakkuk came to a point in the midst of the mess in his country where he had to decide, was, was, am I going to focus on the mess and the uncertainty or am I going to turn to God and trust him to find joy and hope? And then the last three verses of the book we get a compelling picture of turning to God for encouragement when it looks like it's a mess. Chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. 
In verse 17, Habakkuk faces the facts that he may never see the results he desires in this life. He was speaking to farmers and shepherds, so he uses the word picture. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom, there's no fruit without a blossom. Though the, the flock gets cut off, so it, 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 it goes away. If, my, if there's no fruit from my efforts, if, there, if the flock is cut off, which means there's no profit from his work, the shepherd's work, I will be faithful and I will hope in God. That's what Habakkuk's saying. As we set our lives to accomplish the major outcomes that God has for us to, to do, we need to have a long-term approach. We need to turn to God to strengthen us. There are no quick fixes. There are no shortcuts for godly parenting. Being a good steward, building wealth, takes years to develop and maintain. Ministry is messy. I'm slow to change. You're slow to change. But with God's help, over time, we can become different people. Unwinding bad decisions can take years to do that. But Habakkuk proclaims, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Even though all my hopes and dreams and what I want to see come together doesn't, I will rejoice in the Lord. He's saying, I'm not going to demand a specific outcome from God. I may be facing a challenging situation, but I'm not going to try to force God or manipulate him to complete the picture. I'm going to let him complete the picture for my life that he's putting together. It's, it's just wrong if we try to bring people into the picture that God doesn't want there, maybe through dating or something like that. It, it's just wrong if we manipulate people and try to force them against their will to fit into the picture the way that we want them to. We trust God to, to, to paint the portrait of our lives. And while we trust him, we draw strength from him as we wait for the outcome of our efforts. Verse 19, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Deer feet are designed to tread on all sorts of terrain. This is helpful. Perspective. The Lord will give us the strength to stand in the most difficult places. He will give us the ability to move to the heights, to the high places in the midst of our circumstances. He will allow us to rise above our circumstances and gain victory in them as we set ourselves to trust him and as we lean on him to fulfill his purpose in our lives. We can find encouragement in the waiting and the difficult times of life. If we turn to God with our questions, if we turn to God for joy and encouragement, he will give us what we need. As I wrap up, I want you to consider some next steps to take today. I've described some lessons from Habakkuk. Uh, these lessons are meant to be principles that we use in our lives. I'd like to ask the band to come up while I'm wrapping up here. On the back of your connection card, on your handout related to the message, 
there are some suggested next steps. The first one is my next step today is to turn to God for perspective with, and there's a blank, where are you needing perspective? What's an area of your life that's been confusing to you? What do you want to trust him with? So turn to God for perspective with that area and trust him with the outcome. And then finally, identify where I'm discouraged in my responsibilities and ask God for help. Focus on doing what's right before him and ask him for help. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth in your word that really helps us to see from your perspective and rise above our our circumstances to gain to gain a vantage point that we wouldn't have without it and so God we're thankful for the truth in your word and I ask father for the power to step out and do what you've laid on our hearts to do today that we might be faithful in the moment as we wait for you to to fulfill your purpose in our lives. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus. Amen.